0: Testing, check, one, check. All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to church. Good to see you. Would you guys stand? We're going to worship. We're going to sing and lift our voices to our King, to our Savior.
1: the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. And here I raise my
0: Ebenezer, here I
1: raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy goodness grace that he's shown us oh to grace how great a tether daily i'm constrained to be. let thy grace like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wander lord i feel it Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wander. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Praise our God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Amen. Amen Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's pray. Father, we say praise you. Praise you, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, you are three in one, and in your majesty and all of your greatness and your holiness, you know us each by name. You know our hearts. You know our souls. You know our future. You know our past and our present, and God, you want to have a personal relationship with us. You're seeking after us when we don't deserve it. While we were sinners and dead in our sin, you came and you You died in our place. And God, we thank you for that. We don't take that for granted. We praise you for that truth. We love you and we praise you tonight. Speak to us through your word. We love you. Amen. You guys grab a seat.
2: My one there, there we go. Well, welcome uh, to our to our Wednesday night worship time to gather together. We're thankful for ministry happening all over our building tonight, and one of the things we love about Emmaus, Emmaus, the things that are happening here in our building during the day. So, if you see all of those supplies over against the wall where Jordan is walking out, that is the Moore Public School. PE teachers are having their training for PE in the schools in this building today and tomorrow. So uh, we kept waiting for them to bring us down here to test the games on the staff. So uh, we act childlike and so we could come down here and, and try out all their games. But it was pretty funny. They had all these new PE games spread out. Uh, in this room throughout the day, so it's another fun connection with the uh, with the school system that that we're really thankful for. Before we talk further about ways to to pray for one another, um, I've asked Rashid to come and give us a a quick update on the ministry that the Lord is is allowing him to do. It's always fun to have him here. He's a huge encouragement to me and Jim and our whole our whole staff, and so. He's just going to give you a quick uh, update on ministry, and then you can ask him any questions as well.
3: Well, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for what Lord is doing in our lives, and I'm so thankful that he's leading us and helping us to to use what he has blessed us with. Uh, we have been able to uh, witness to, at first it started with two uh, OU students, and uh, it goes several months ago, and then they shared with two other friends, and they came, and they all praise the Lord uh, by asking questions, coming to being faithful, coming to our Bible studies. They give their heart to the Lord, and they all got baptized, and now they are bringing two other friends. So we have two new uh, OU students in our fellowship, and I'm so thankful uh, I'll never forget the day that uh, I shared with the uh, BGCO when they were interviewing me that the uh, Lord has put in my heart to pray for them, for the campus in OU and OSU. And I don't know why, but Lord has just put it in my heart. Three months later, I met Muhammad and Milad. You have seen Milad. He had come here with me. And boy, they are so on fire for Lord. And they've been sharing. The, these two new girls are uh, friend with Muhammad, so they are very faithful. Uh, please be pray for them, and uh, pray for us. Uh, Lord is uh, blessing us, and I'm so thankful to be part of this body too. I'm so thankful for each one of you. Yeah. Thank you so much.
2: So that's what you're doing down here in Norman at OU. Remind people what you're doing at Edmond and what that looks like at Henderson Hills and in there at UCO, some of the things you're doing up there.
3: Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, we are sh- doing the same thing over there. And we have, unfortunately, when we moved from uh, Cherokee to Henderson Hills, some of our church members, they didn't came. But we have new members almost every week, I could say, literally every week, we have visitors. They just come and they sit and they go. So it's so wonderful to see. I knew that this gonna happen. I had that feeling because there are so many uh, Iranians and also we've been having Afghans. Say that again. Afghans. Oh, Afghan, yeah, okay, yeah. And uh, we had a Tajik girl that I met for first time. I said, you're my first (laughs) Tajik person that I'm uh, meeting, and she's a believer and she really wants to come uh, meet with us. because Tajik they speak Farsi also. Well, she's Farsi is not so good. She's been here for seven years, (laughs) but she's just going to come to our fellowship because she wants to practice her Persian or her Farsi. So yes, Lord is using that ministry and what we are doing in Edmund also, and I'm so thankful for everything that we are doing. And And I have more time. I have more time now that Amos and Henderson is to get together and supporting us. So I have more time being online and doing my uh, uh, studies also. Uh, right now, I'm taking his classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here to <laughs> talk yeah. about my homework, <laughs> 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 to take it easy yeah. on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so thankful for all this. I'm, I'm, I just want to say you guys are being blessed to our, to me and to my family.
2: Yeah, so absolutely. appreciate it. Uh, you, anybody have any questions they'd like to ask or is he while he's here? We are excited about being able to partner with him, and like you said, it frees up time that he's able to commit to ministry yeah. and by us being able to partner with Henderson Hills. I do have one question, sure. kind of a follow-up question. We didn't plan this beforehand. I've seen some reports recently that people are saying that the iranian church is possibly the fastest growing church in the world right now yeah. are you hearing the same things yeah, are you it's, seeing that it's happening
3: been, it's been for three years it's been for three years that the people that are tracking it is saying that iran church is the fastest growing church in the world
2: yeah so we think about what it looks like for the gospel to spread around the world and people to come to faith in christ Iran might not be the first place that comes to mind for you, but the Lord is working there in an in incredible, incredible way. And so our partnership with Rashid is even about what the Lord is doing around the world. And we also know that when students come to OU and have a chance to encounter Christ, then wherever they go after that, yeah. that's ministry that they're able, to, uh, they're able to take with them. Go ahead.
3: Well, we here I'll
2: repeat his question. Coach asked if uh, these students coming w- might be having trouble with other Muslim students in school at the at the same time
3: Yes you know uh, that 's why i don't use the names that much uh, and when they meet with me you might have to cl- hold a little bit closer. Yeah, when, we, when they meet with me, uh, we try to go to a room that is covered and no one sees it, so once they come to Edmund or to the church, no one is there, but in the uh, campus, I try to meet with them place that not being in the public. Yeah. Yes, if they, others, they know that they are, what they are doing, because it can cause them problems. Yes. How do they find out about you and where you're meeting, just word of mouth or? Yes, word of mouth and also on the social media through Facebook. I don't know if you guys are f- following my Facebook or <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> but I'm all over the Facebook, so, yeah, uh, social media. Uh, but these two, they actually uh, heard uh, through the the messenger from BGCO, and then they came. Yeah.
2: I say this only half kiddingly, but uh, definitely follow Fashid on, uh, on Facebook if you're not already, because... He's taking my class right now. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to take his class on how to be a pastor on Facebook because he's incredible at that. How he uses social media uh, to connect with people. So, so look him up, and uh, plus you get to see cute pictures of his kids as well along the way. So that works out.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful that most of likes that I get on uh, Instagram or Facebook is from Iran. And if a person likes me or, or wants to be following me from Iran, I, w- I won't say no to them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. That's incredible.
3: It's yeah, Christian.
2: Converting from, most people yeah, converting yeah. from Mos- Islam to Christianity.
3: Yeah. Uh, the majority uh, population in Iran are being called Muslim. You know, once they got burned, because of the parents being Muslim, the child is Muslim, but it's changing now. A lot of people, uh, especially going through all these uh, crops corrupts, corrupts and uh, the truth of the, the face, truth face of the Islam being known to them, uh, they are rejecting Islam or, or even rejecting God, but Lord is working on them. And, uh, especially this trip that I went to Turkey, uh, there was a lady that came from Iran and she told me that she and her, her two daughters and her sister and her family, they gathered together in their house and they listened to the messages on satellites. <laughs> so she, I was shocked. She already knew about the scripture. She knew some verses. I was super shocked. And yeah. she, she confessed and she got baptized. You know, what's true.
2: Yeah, Brent. Are the most people she and her,
3: mostly women Well, what I have uh, the people that Lord has brought to me is all mostly women. But that's what I think. Uh, and it's good because in Iran even though that means they think they are head of the family, but they're not. <laughs>
2: Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. <laughs> let's not say anything about, uh, about America at this point. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <she'll go> <laughs> yeah, let's not go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So potentially they have influence in their family. Oh,
3: yes. I mean, if the, the mother of the family converts to Christianity, the rest of the family will become Christian. Yeah, okay. The church, the actu- we have uh, we have a lot of churches because we ha- the Christianity was one of the main religion before Islam. So we have very old. Actually, the oldest church of uh, world is in Iran. In northwest of Iran that they're saying one of the apostles, I, do, I forgot his name, mm-hmm. he made it. And Christians, they go every year for Christmas, they go there. Uh, but the, those churches, the building, the actual churches, they are on the po- persecution. There are secret, uh, security cameras around them, they cannot have any new members. If they see any pon- anyone that is Muslim, they're sharing with Muslim, they're gonna go through trouble. We have several church leaders in prisons because of sharing gospel. So the growing church is actually underground. We call it underground, but it's not underground. <laughs> 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 it's in the houses. Like uh, one of the people that I know, that I shared with him, and he went back to Iran, his meeting was in the parks, in several parks, and they every, year, every week they used to change to different parks, so they would not be tracked, even though whatever he did, still he was tracked and he had to escape from Iran.
2: Well, let's, uh, I'm gonna take this opportunity and and, uh, and pray for Fashid and for the church around the world. (laughs) Father, we thank you for moments like this that are a reminder of how the body of Christ Looks and operates God that it's by your your power and through the name of Jesus that you gather people right here in South Oklahoma City and you gather people in homes and parks in Iran and you do that work all around the world and God thank you for allowing us God thank you for calling us to be part of that God I pray for Fashid and for his family God thank you for the connection with Cherokee Hills Baptist and thank you for The connection now with Henderson Hills and the ministry there. God, we pray for these two students coming to meet with him at OU. Father, that you would continue to work in their lives and that they would come to faith in Christ and be baptized. God, I thank you for the encouragement that Fashid is to to our staff and to our church, God, as he is living intentionally on mission. God, I pray that's an inspiration for us. God, that you would draw people to you, that we would see households converted come to faith in Christ. And God, you would continue to use Emmaus right here in our neighborhoods. And God, you would use us uh, around the world, even as we have a mission team meeting right now about a trip coming up. God, thank you for Jim and his leadership in that area and for the people preparing to go on that trip. God, we praise you, we trust you, and we ask you to continue to work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right. Does anyone else have any updates of, in regard to prayer that we uh, that we need to mention? Anything that you, you might know of that we haven't uh, we haven't talked about? Continue to pray for Miss Margie uh, after Paul's death just praying. I know her prayer, Carl has said, is that she would be able to get into the right care facility, a place where she has some room, she has some privacy, she's got the care she needs, but I know she'd like to be a little closer up this direction as well, so continue to pray for her uh, through that. Anything else? One other thing, thinking about missions we do have this team that is preparing to go to Amman, Jordan uh, in, in just a couple of weeks. Just all of us working together, we've, we've been asked by the International Mission Board not to publicize that, where our, where our team is going. And so it's not because Amman itself is dangerous. It has more to do with caring for the people there. So it's one of those things where the city is incredibly safe. In fact, one of the safest in the world when you look at statistics. Um, but it could cause trouble for the people on the ground if word got out about that. So you're not gonna see us publicizing anything on social media about where that team is, is going. And if you remember not to put that on social media and tag Emmaus, that would be great as, as well. That kinda just helps us stay above board and, and do the right thing by the way of those uh, those missionaries there. So you may have heard this, but IMB missionaries around the world, they refer to it as the company. So that's their speak on the ground of, I work for the company, I go to company meetings. They mean the gathering of, of the IMB, but that's the language they have to, they have to use just to maintain a good, a good path. So, all right, let's open our Bibles to Malachi. Final book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. And hopefully you might have been able to pick up one of those half-page note sheets on the back. Some of this we'll talk about in in some detail other parts of it I'll I'll just kind of gloss over or I give it to you on reference. If anything we talk about tonight is of particular interest to you and you like a little bit more information or, or some of this spelled out in more detail, I have a longer document about this, and so just send me an email and I'd be glad to send you that as well if it's of any interest to you. But we're going to talk about tonight, tonight about tithes and offerings and givings, and you think, well, that's a random topic, Owen. Like, why would we do that on, on Wednesday night? Well, some of it is overflow from Sunday's sermon about why would you sell everything you have to go and buy a field that contains this treasure so there's that idea of treasure and buying and selling and possessions also in our route 66 bible plan we're connected to malachi this week and so i was thinking about malachi already working this direction recently unrelated situations i've had members ask me Uh, separately about the topic of tithing and giving and just asking for a little bit of direction and then you add on top of that we're in the middle of planning for 2020 budget so we're thinking about budget we're looking at our our giving numbers we're thinking through that as as leadership in the church and so all this has kind of come together and I've been thinking about it and I wanted to share it with you and it creates some conversation and and hopefully action steps. Um, Admittedly You might come in here tonight and say, oh, and I really just need a word of comfort from the Lord. I've been going through a hard week, and now you're going to tell me I'm not giving enough money, and you're going to talk to me about tithing and giving. Like, what is, this is probably not the topic that I would have picked for tonight. Stepping back from the beginning, we want to remember that this whole topic goes back to a good God who lovingly provides for his children. And so if you are hurting tonight and you did not show up wanting to hear about tithing, I completely understand that. But what I would remind you is all of this is tied into the fact that God loves us and he loves to provide for us. And our response to that is our act of worship, our act of faith. Not to mention the topic of tithing ties in to how Jesus fulfills the law. And because of what Jesus has done for us, we have freedom and hope and joy and we're not having to do x in order to gain y it's not that idea it's lord you've done this for me i receive this i want to live for you so i pray that if you are hurting you're in a difficult place and you need a message of comfort that you'll remember that god does love you that he does provide that he's at work in our lives and we're trying to respond back to that work okay let's look in malachi chapter 3 uh, to, to think about this i'm already going to get myself behind so why not all right back up to chapter one malachi chapter one i need to show you a verse this is not related to anything except me sharing something that god did in my life today and so it matters to me so i'm going to share it with you okay malachi chapter one look down in verse 13 the Lord is speaking to the priests, to the leaders, to the people about their response to him. Malachi 1.13, But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hands, says the Lord. Okay, so this morning I was reading this in... In my Bible reading time, and God used that verse in a powerful way in my life because how often I have approached a day or a situation or doing something from the Lord, and my attitude has been, man, what a burden this is, or what a weariness this is, or that word there for for snort that (laughs) the ESV uses, but you say what a weariness this is, and you snort, So the Hebrew word going on there, it's the word when you're asked to do something and you go, (sighs) like you blow out. It's the word for breathing out or blowing out or sighing in frustration. God says, I want you to do X, and you go, (sighs) that's that. Like the God of the universe is at work in my life and calling me to live for him and calling me to a type of ministry, and my attitude is, what a weariness this is, and I blow out in frustration. Man, let us not live that way. Like, I don't want that to characterize my attitude or my approach to life or my approach to ministry that, that I would respond in, in that way. So, anyway, I wanted to show you that because I've been living with that word all day long. It keeps haunting me. Um, okay, so next time you go, or your kids do that, Malachi one thirteen. just put them on it. Um, now, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of God, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So, this is the Lord talking about his faithfulness to his people, to his covenant. Were he not a faithful God, we would have no chance. (laughs) He is faithful even when we are not. He does not change. His character and his covenant, they do not change. And so he says, come back to me. When you've gone away from me, return to me. Come back to me. End of verse 7. But you say, how shall we return? What will it look like when we return? And he says, will man rob God? yet you are robbing me. Okay, something fun about the word rob there. If you go back to verse six, it says, therefore you, O children of Jacob. So in Hebrew, the word rob is the same letters as the word Jacob just returned. So he's doing a play on words. He's saying, your namesake, Jacob, people of Jacob, you are characterized as people who rob. And so he's playing on words there by using the two words that have the same, the same letters in it. Hebrew words only have three letters anyway to begin with, so you can do a lot of interesting things to them, and that's what's going on right there. So connect in your mind the word Jacob and the word rob, that those are, are kind of tied together here. Verse 8, well, you rob God, yet you, have ro- yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Well, in your tithes and contributions, or your tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. So there's an indication that they might have been giving partially, but not fully. Giving some, but not not fully. That there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. You say, whoa, time out. We're not supposed to put God to the test. I know there's a Bible verse about that. There is a Bible verse about that. There are two different Hebrew words for test. When it says that the people came to the waters at Meribah and tested the Lord, that is not the same word for test as this word for test. This word for test is more of a positive, prove him to be faithful. Show God to be faithful. It's not the word for testing in a provoking way. So, this is one of the places where nobody's fault, but just our English lets us down a little bit because here we have the same word. I, I'm, am I supposed to test God or not test God? Different words in the background going on there. So this is God saying, hey, I will prove faithful. Just come and do what I've asked you to do, and, and I'll come through for you. So uh, thereby, middle of verse 10, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear. Says the Lord of Hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight. Says the Lord of Hosts. Okay, there's obviously a lot going on in these verses. Let me show you two things that are particularly interesting before we kind of go back to the note sheet. Number one is verse 12. After he talks to them about giving and how he is going to bless them and work in in their lives, then it says, then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. What this means is that when the people live in a way that honors the Lord and that he has told them to live, they will flourish. Good things will happen in, in their land. They will live wisely and I can't Improve on the word flourish, so I'm just going to use it again. They, they will flourish. Other nations will look in and say, oh, I want that. That is the good life. I want to be a, a part of that. So it's a reminder to us that when we live wisely and faithfully, as the Lord has called us, and our lives flourish with peace and hope and joy, people who don't have that look into that and say, I don't know how they got that, but I would really like that to be true in my life. And the way we say that is we got that because our God is good and he desires to bless us. He desires to be faithful to his people. So behind the way that we give and handle possessions, handle the commands of the Lord, there's actually an evangelistic missions component to it when we live in the way that God's called us to live. The other thing is if you go back up to verse 8, end of verse 7, the people say, How shall we return? What will it look like when we actually return to the Lord? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. What's going on there is the people are saying, well, how do we know when we really come back? And the Lord says, it will be signaled by what you do with your possessions. Now, what are our connection points here? One comes from the Sermon on the Mount (laughs) where Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That what we do with our possessions, more than we would like to admit, reflects where our heart is with the Lord. Now, that's not easy for me to hear for sure, nor for any of us, but I want you to see the connection between Malachi 3 and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's the other interesting thing. What happens after the famous Zacchaeus story? where the Lord confronts Zacchaeus. Do you remember what Zacchaeus does after he's confronted by the Lord? What does he want to go and do? He wants to go repay, like what, is it four times over, or yeah, yeah, yeah. His repentance is shown by what he does with his possessions, and having a giving spirit. And so the Lord is saying, when you return to me, when you are faithful to me, when you come back to me, one sign of that happening is what you do with your possessions. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and we don't always put repentance and giving possessions together, but but they're meant to go there. So Malachi gets us started on this conversation of tithes and offerings and ho- how all that fits in. Let's go back to the note sheet just just for a minute here. There are multiple Old Testament verses about tithing. We're not going to read these all in uh, in order, but. In Genesis chapter 14, there's a reference to Abraham giving a tenth of his uh, spoil to Melchizedek, who's a figure that shows up in the book of Hebrews later. And then in Genesis 28, you also find Jacob being involved in, in a situation of giving a tenth of the treasures, a tenth of the possessions. Here's the reason that's significant in just a moment. The book of Genesis, the giving of these stories, is seen as happening before the law of Moses is given. So you have a reference to tithing before you actually get into the specific laws. And that becomes important for a lot of people when they talk about this conversation of tithing. We still have to remember though that the first five books of the Old Testament were all considered the law of God. So when you see the word law in the Bible, you don't just think of the individual laws, you think of all of Genesis through Deuteronomy, all those first five books. Deuteronomy chapter 14, Leviticus 27, Numbers 18. There's multiple examples in the law of where God calls the people to give a tenth of their possessions. Then, 2 Chronicles 31, Nehemiah 10, Nehemiah 12, Nehemiah 13. What you get there are reminders to the people to give to the Lord. Here's what you find often in scripture, is God gives his people commands, and then he has to give multiple reminders. If you think that's strange, just think about your parenting and grandparenting experiences. (laughs) Um, I told you once, that should be enough. Well, it should be, but does it ever work that way? No, like you just, you have to continue to reinstate, continue to give reminders, continue to reinstate to the point that I know it's exhausting, but that's the Lord's relationship with us as well, continue to remind. So you find the Lord calling the people to tithe, calling the people to give, and yet it seems like in the history of Israel, they consistently forgot and struggled with this because then the Lord would have to come back and remind them. I do want you to look at one verse in particular. It's Amos chapter four. Now trying to find Amos I know is a little bit tricky because it gets there in the, uh, the minor prophets. But you go Hosea chapter Joel, Amos, if you happen to still be in Malachi, just turn back to the left a little bit and you'll be there. But Amos chapter four. The reason that Amos is important in this topic of tithing is because you have tithing and giving established in the law. You have the people reminded of it time after time but then you also have the prophet speaking into it. of This is what it looks like to live as part of the people of God. And then Amos does something very interesting with this concept. He says there in Amos chapter 4, verse 4. And he's kind of being, he's provoking a little bit with his, his language here. Amos 4, verse 4. Come to Bethel and transgress. What? Like come to the place of God, to the place of sacrifice and, and sin. Come to Gilgal and multiply your transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days, offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leaven, and proclaim free will offerings, publish them, for so you love to do, O people of Israel, declares the Lord God. Now what he's driving at in this verses is he's not praising them <laughs> for their actions he's saying you're doing these things and you're trying to be hyper-religious but your heart is far from the Lord which is a reminder from we, we think about this as a New Testament reality but it's an Old Testament reality you can move the decibel on every single paycheck you ever receive and not honor the Lord You can follow this reality to a T. You can give and fulfill this duty and fulfill this obligation. And if your heart is not committed in worship to the Lord, if our desire is not to honor him and to see his name made great, it doesn't matter that we follow all of the details that are given there. It misses the point entirely. And so as Amos is calling the people to account, you look really great. But your heart is not in it when it comes to giving. Which, when you get to the New Testament, what do we find? God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. God loves a giver who is is in it, whose heart is responding. Because remember, giving is our response of worship to God's goodness in our lives. The reason we give is not to gain something from him. It's a response of worship to what he has done in giving everything that he's given to us. And so our heart is so important that it's in the right place when it comes to that. A couple of Old Testament observations. These are bullet points in your notes. I'm just gonna walk through them just for, just for a moment. Bullet point one. Tithing was not the only law requirement for giving. Uh, so when we think about tithing and offerings and giving, it wasn't just a simple 10%. Uh, in fact, many scholars, as they kind of unpack all the different types of tithes, it gets up in the 20 to 30% range. So if you say, well, all I'm supposed to do is give 10% of my income and then I'm done right, well, actually, that's not even the Old Testament law. It's more than just that. There, there was more involved than just move the decimal um, on your bull and give it. So it's not just that simple. Um, here's the second thing first fruits was an important component of the tithe it wasn't just that you tithed it was that this giving was the very first thing you did with what you received the very first thing you did with your crop or with your livestock and you gave the best of what you have so you gave first fruits and those were the best uh, of what you had that they that was there this whole idea of first fruits tithing is closely connected to the giving of sacrifices often where sacrifices are talked about Tithing goes along because, it was, again, it was a part of giving back to the Lord and trusting to Him. There is a relationship between the law and God's character. When we give, when we do the things that the Old Testament law talks about, it's not, again, just following a list of rules. The law is meant to reflect God's character. How does this work? It's super simple. <laughs> God is a giver, therefore His people are givers. That's pretty much all it boils down to. When you read the Old Testament law, part of what we're trying to do when read, and I know it seems boring as all get out at some time when you're reading through parts of the early part of the Bible, but one of the things the law is meant to do is reveal the character of God. Our God is a giver, therefore his people should be givers. If we're stingy, it gives the wrong uh, portrayal, the wrong picture of who God is. Number five, the tithes were to care For the Levites, for those who were not given possessions of the land, not given an inheritance in the land to care for the Levites, but they were also given to care for the weak and the oppressed. There was a special tithe that was taken every three years that was supposed to go to the foreigners and to the widows and to the children who who were poor and oppressed. And so you had multiple purposes that the tithe money could go toward. The tithe seemed to have been forgotten, then reinstated many times, and there were multiple prophetic rebukes about, hey, you guys have missed the point. Come, come back to the Lord. Okay, so that is a way oversimplified, fast version of the tithe in the Old Testament. Now, let's think about how do we live in the New Testament. So go to Matthew chapter 23. So we're gonna go over to the New Testament, and we're gonna look at a couple of verses in the New Testament that talk about the idea of tithing. And you can obviously see where this is going. The question is, as followers of Jesus, living under the new covenant, but not rejecting the Old Testament, are we still called to tithe? Well, there's a lot of ways that you come out with that question, but we're just gonna kinda work through parts of it uh, tonight. So, Matthew chapter 23, Verse 23, this is in a long series of Jesus rebuking the scribes and Pharisees and pronouncing woes and, and, and opposite a blessing on them. So Matthew twenty-three twenty-three. woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. That sounds like Amos type of prophetic rebuke. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In questions about how Christians deal with the tithe, this is often considered to be an important verse. First, the Lord doesn't, in speaking to the Pharisees, doesn't seem to reject the idea of tithe that just says your heart's in the other, wrong place. The other thing, he's speaking directly to the Pharisees and the scribes about this. There's no indication that this is meant to be carried forward into the lives of his disciples and Gentile followers. But it doesn't come across positive. <laughs> you can at least say that much when he's speaking to the, the Pharisees and the scribes right here. He does come in their action. says you're doing the right thing, but your heart is completely in the wrong place. Turn over to Luke chapter 18. There's a really profound story in Luke chapter 18, again about a Pharisee, so the two times that Jesus speaks about tithing, it's in reference to a Pharisee, and it's about having the wrong attitude. The only two times Jesus mentions tithing, it's toward the Pharisees, and it's, you guys have missed the point of what it means to be a part of the people of God, so Here's where you see it in in Luke chapter 18, verse nine. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. "...extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, you know how great I am? Verse 12, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the second, went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, this idea of keeping the tithe being used in reference to personal pride. Now, it's worth it's worth mentioning, tithing in verse twelve is set aside fasting. As Christians, we tend to not reject fasting, so in effect, we should be careful about immediately rejecting the tithe. But the Lord is super clear that again, it matters about your heart. What is the purpose behind what you are doing? Then most of the instances of tithing in the New Testament, they show up in the book of Hebrews. And they show up in the book of Hebrews as examples, again, of how Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament law. Uh, Maybe just to give you one example, if you look at Hebrews chapter 7. So Hebrews chapter 7 includes most of the references to tithing in the New Testament. Hebrews 7, verse 4. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. Talking about Melchizedek. And those descendants of Levi, Hebrews, this is uh, Hebrews 7, verse 5. Those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man, Melchizedek, who does not have his descendant from them, he received tithes from Abraham, and he blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that in this situation the inferior blessed by the, uh, is blessed by the superior. In one case, tithes are received by mortal men. But in the other case, it was by one of whom it is testified that he still lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now that is a confusing set of verses. But what it all points toward is this message in the book of Hebrews, about how Jesus has ultimately fulfilled all the requirements of the law. Everything that was pointing ahead in the law to the work of the people finds its fulfillment in Jesus. The reason that should be a big deal to us is because we're smack dab in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, and this is Matthew's whole message (laughs) about how Jesus has fulfilled all the promises and all the plans of God not to get rid of the old, but to point forward to where they were really going. So if you turn your little sheet of paper over, at the top, I've given you some of those New Testament verses about Christians and the law. How do Christians relate to the law? Man, this is a big topic that we've been through uh, multiple times and we'll continue to rehearse it, but we look to the one who fulfilled the law in a very real sense. Hear me out on this so you don't get upset with me on this, but in a very real New Testament sense, Jesus has paid your tithe. Christians ask, should I pay a tithe? Should I give a tithe? At the very foundation of that is the New Testament reality of Jesus has paid my tithe. Jesus has perfectly fulfilled the law in a way that I never could. Now, there is an important question that we ask in response to that, then how shall we live? And the tithe can play a role in that, and, and in appropriate way should. But if we start to ask, should I pay the tithe, you've missed the whole beauty and good news of what Jesus has done for you, that he is the one that has fulfilled that, that all your hope is in him, that you could never pay enough of a tithe to make yourself right with God. He's the one who does that, and then as the people of God, we, we live that out. We continue to, to carry that forward. So what are some general conclusions about this? As Christians, we no longer live under the Old Covenant, but the Old Covenant does reflect God's character, and it does provide patterns and principles for how we live as his people. Um, And so you find these type of affirmations in the New Testament. When you talk about tithing, a couple of dangerous attitudes or approaches to, to avoid in this topic, I'll tithe, so God gets his, but the rest is mine. You see these awful bumper stickers or Facebook posts. Uncle Sam asked for this much, but God only asked for 10%. You won't give. Oh, for the love of God, don't post those or, or send those out. Um, it's, that misses the whole point of what it means to live uh, as the people of God. It's not God gets his 10% and then I do whatever the heck I want with the other 90%. That misses the whole point of what this is about. Also dangerous is pastors who use the tithe to pressure or control their congregants. Um, Also dangerous is the television pastor or evangelist who uses the tithe to guilt people into sending them money. Equally, equally dangerous and a complete misuse of of scripture in that sense. Um, Dangerous attitude, using the concept of tithing to stop giving at 10%. As if that was the purpose of the tithe, like, well, at least I gave this, and so I'll cut it off at this point. That's not the purpose at all that we find. Also, confusing spirit-guided giving with impromptu giving. Uh, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit works through budgets and planning and wisdom. It's not like that's man-made, and spiritual giving is just when I randomly decide to give something. Sometimes we, we equate spirit with impromptu decisions. The Spirit of God is at work when you sit down and make a budget. The Spirit of God is at work when you plan giving, when you say, I want to live in a wise way. Wisdom and faith are not competitors. They they work together through, through the power of God, so we want to remember that. So what kind of godly attitude are we looking for? We want to pray at each step, asking for faith, wisdom, humility, like we saw from Luke 18. We want to give regularly. That word didn't come out well. Um, can, how about consistently? We want to give <laughs> consistently, intentionally, sacrificially, and cheerfully. And let me urge you, if you struggle in this question or if you can be an influence in people around you, this idea of seek wise counsel when it comes to how do I do this well. This is one of the gifts of being a part of a church. Uh, it's funny the stories you remember from your parents and the spiritual impact they make on your life. But on this topic of giving, my dad got serious about faith later, I say later in his life, in his mid-20s, when we were being born, when he had just been baptized after coming out of a Methodist background into a Baptist background, he got really serious. And there was an older man in the church, okay, you're going to laugh at me. He always explained to him as an older man, but based on his age now versus how old I am, I guess at that time he was about in his early 50s, but he spoke into my dad's life in his mid-20s about how to honor the Lord with your finances, and it changed everything about the family I grew up in because there was a man in the church in his 50s who took my dad aside and said, this is how you can honor the Lord with your money, and I can't tell you the influence that that made in my life. And so let me just urge you to come along other people in the church come alongside young couples come alongside young families and do that for them because that man's influence in my dad's life still makes an impact in my life uh, to, to this day so this idea of seeking wise counsel and I've kind of thrown down a proposed plan there if you ever need to walk someone through a way to do this this is not this is not law but it's it's a way to do it number one determine what percentage of your income you're gonna give to the church and make that your first fruits, your, your first gift. Um, 10%'s a great model, but, but I don't think it's a, it's a commandment. You don't see it working that way. Um, in this way, though, people say, well, what other percentage would be a good percentage to start with? Well, I think 10%'s a great <laughs> percentage to start with, but I, I would never want it to feel like it was a commandment or a requirement because I don't think it operates that way in Scripture. Um, Number two, determine a portion of your income to give to other missions and ministry programs, either at or beyond your church, that you love and want to give extra toward. Emmaus is not going to support every missionary and mission endeavor that you love and you also want to support. And to that we say, that's great. (laughs) It shouldn't have to be that way. Amanda and I give to mission organizations that Emmaus has nothing to do with because we support the church first, we say we believe in what we're doing here, but then we also wanna give to other things. You guys do that all the time, so this is kind of the secondary. Then we wanna create enough margin in our budget so when a grandma's house burns down in the community and she's caring for these kids and we need to respond, you feel like, you know what, that was not in my budget, so to speak, but I have enough margin there that I really wanna be a part of, of helping in that situation, so that's that type of idea. Number four, ensure that you're meeting your family and legal obligations. Uh, This idea of giving to other organizations but failing to care for your family. Scripture actually has a lot to say about that. And every time it's care for your family. Um, Seek to save and invest and then remember every dollar we spend is ultimately for the Lord. And so as you're kind of walking through uh, situations, uh, hopefully that's helpful. And I did not plan this last part, and we are over, but just a quick shout-out. Matt and Andrea are great resources when it comes to this because of their leadership with uh, Financial Peace University, and they could probably talk you through a lot more related to this. And coming up later in this fall semester, on a Wednesday night, and the date escapes me, but we're going to have a Financial Peace preview event for people that just want an overview of financial health and how that matches scripture you guys can't can come up with the date either do you know about that or it's in november, it's in november isn't it yeah we'll, we'll get it out to you so you can invite people but we're, we're kind of working working toward that as well so final thing i would say thank you for being a giving church thank you for the way you give incredible model of that and and as we look at budget and we think about how to be good stewards of those resources um we ran some numbers this, this, last, uh, this last week. It's astounding the number of people in our church who give. We didn't look at how much. We just looked to see how many family units give, and we have a lot of our family, family units that give toward Emmaus, which is, which is a pretty great thing. Um, the question is, what do we do with that going forward? How do we continue to grow in that? So I just want to say thank you for that. All right, let's pray, and we need to wrap up. Father, thank you for all that you give us. God, we know that everything that we have is from you, and everything that we have is for you. And we want to live in that way here at Emmaus. God, thank you for the way that the money that is given here goes to support missions around the world, God. The way that we're able to build up and encourage Fashid and the work there. The way that um, that money is used locally and to be able to invest in ministry and missions. But God, we also recognize, every one of us here tonight, that that begins in our hearts and our commitment to you, our worship to you. God, let us never give begrudgingly. God, let us give with joy because of what you've done for us. And God, more than anything, our hope is in Jesus because of what he has done. And so we want to live as his followers in a way that draws other people to him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you again for being here. God bless you.